What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos currently ages 8 to 14, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 17th year of marriage. So yeah, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fatherhood matters. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and to have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is Justin Donald, and I'm so excited for you to meet him. And I'm going to tell you something. This conversation could literally change your life in two ways. I'm not kidding with you. First, he talks about his book that's coming out right now, The Lifestyle Investor and How to Build a Life of Freedom. And he communicates in such a clear and understandable way that this could change your life financial legacy. And second, and really the reason we connected in the first place is he shares how he and his wife set aside a day every year for annual planning. And he shares the questions, the tools, the nuggets around this. This could change not only your marriage, but the family legacy that you are creating. Enjoy this conversation with my friend, Justin. All right, welcome to another episode of Fatherhood Field Notes. I'm really excited to be talking to Justin Donald. Justin, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good. It is great to be here, Ned. I appreciate you having me uh, on the show. It's fun to just kick it and, you know, talk about being a dad, talk about being a husband and, you know, just what matters most in life. Man, isn't that the truth? Yeah, I've been really excited all morning just knowing that we're going to get to talk, you know, as I continue to just dig into who you are um, and the work that you do. Um, I'm pumped to have a killer conversation with you. So just to kind of give people a quick intro of who you are, um, I'm going to rapid fire some questions at you. But but before we do so, you and I met this year. We went, we met at a front row dad's event um, and you know, I was pointed to you in that you um, were really intentional about annual planning with your spouse. And so you gave me a, or you said you'd send me a document, (laughs) which you did. And it is like, I don't know, eight pages, nine pages long. Uh, It's incredible. So I want to talk about that a little bit because, you know, we're coming into 2021 and it'd be great for dudes to do this with their spouse. So that's how we were introduced, but there's a whole another world. You're just coming out with a book and stuff. So we're going to get into all that. Very exciting. So for people to get to know you, where do you live? So I live in Austin, Texas. Uh, I lived, uh, I grew up in Chicago and then spent uh, a little over a decade in St. Louis. But for the last four years, I've been in Austin and I just love it here. It's such a cool, cool city. So much to do. So many fun people, such a mecca for, you know, entrepreneurship and, uh, investing and, you know, it's just, it's a cool community for sure. Nice. Nice. And how many years have you been married? So we are going to be celebrating our 10th anniversary 10th. Uh, and this is literally in weeks. So January 15th. Okay. Congratulations. The 10 year mark. That's awesome. Yeah. And how many kids do you have? So I've got one daughter who is going to be turning, uh, eight, in a matter of, well, less than two weeks or right at two weeks. Yeah. Dang, busy time of year for you. Holidays, birthdays, anniversaries. That's right. Nice. Right. One after another. That's awesome. Cool. And then what do you do for a living if you were to kind of summarize it in a minute or two? 
Well, I'm an investor by trade. So, you know, really, I spend most of my time investing in, in deals and people and companies, uh, just, you know, in, in, I guess, things that I believe in. Um, but I've also spent a lot of time in the realm of entrepreneurship, starting a company, scaling a company. I've bought and sold companies. And, um, and, and I do a lot of consulting, or maybe I should say in, in a, a previous life, you know, I did a lot of advising and consulting on, you know, scaling businesses and building different uh, sections out of a company such as recruiting or comp or uh, hiring executives to run it to help a, you know, an entrepreneur kind of uh, step out of running the organization on the day to day. Why have you been passionate about those things? Like, I mean, even seeing you, hearing your voice, it's, it matters to you. It didn't seem like it was ever really a job, you know, in, in quotes. It seemed like you're passionate about helping people. Yeah, it, it, it was always, that to me has been fun. Like, that's enjoyable. I get energy from it. I get energy from people in general. So to me, if I can be working with someone in a one-on-one capacity or a group capacity, whatever the topic is, if I have some value to add. I love being able to do it. And uh, when I don't have it, I love to learn it, you know. So I'm a student first and a, and a teacher second. But I just love the world of entrepreneurship because it creates a lot of opportunities for a lot of people. And it creates a lot of freedom if done the right way. And I'm all about freedom. I'm all about buying your time back and creating freedom to do the things that you desire most, you know, using your gifts and, and passions and spending time with the people that you love the most. So to me, if, if I can help facilitate that in some way, shape or form, I want to be able to do it. So, you know, in the investment world, I do a lot of that, you know, through financial freedom. But prior to, you know, really spending a lot of my time on, on that brand, on the lifestyle investor brand, I spent it in trying to help entrepreneurs scale so that they weren't the bottleneck of their business and, you know, the, the buck stops with them and, and unable to really grow without getting out of the way. When did that become important to you, the whole idea of freedom? Was there like a moment that that came, became important? Or has it always just been something that you kind of grew up with being maybe shown bef- before? You know, I, I think that because of how I've chosen to educate myself, it's become more apparent to me. Um, I read a lot. And a lot of the people that I read have spoken about it. I've had a lot of mentors in my life and a lot of them lived it. And so I just think, you know, this is not something that I grew up with. It's not something that my parents experienced. And I, my goal is to help them experience it. You know, my, my mom literally just, uh, just retired and my dad's still working. Um, but they, uh, they're, they're, you know, they don't earn a great income or anything. And, uh, I want to help them as well. And I want to, I want to help other people and, to me, I just think that when you can truly buy your time back, which is your greatest treasure of all, and it's the most limited resource that we all have, if you can buy that back and be intentional, spending your time the way you want to spend it in a proactive manner versus a reactive manner, most people go through life and they just react to what's going on. There's a problem, let me solve it. Or, you know, these people need my attention, therefore I'm going to spend my time there. So it's very reactionary. So if I can help people buy the time and space to think and create a life by design, a life that is planned to be intentional with how they spend their days, I think that there's power in that. And people can truly live what's important to them with the people that are important to them the most and doing the things that give them energy. 
using their innate gifts. Man, I love your passion around that. I think that's incredible. Now, do you think that this is something that's possible for anybody? Right. So that's kind of a question that I have is, is this for a certain group or is this a possible for many people? So this can be possible for many people. I think that part of what someone needs to, to do and what, what you would need to realize is what your actual own goals are, not what other people aspire to do in life, but get clear on what it is that you want out of life and then kind of build that life around it. You know, I didn't grow up in a way that um, gave me any leg up in terms of, um, you know, parents having, you know, money that they passed down or a methodology or anything like that. I mean, I, I could be the the story of the person who, you know, I'm the first person in my family, extended family to graduate from college. Um, and so, you know, I, I just really think that people's success and, and what they create is more a product of who they spend time with. And that could be like their peer group, that could be mentors, but that can also be books that they read. You know, so for me, a lot of my mentors before I had formal mentors were authors that have no clue that they were my mentors. I just read every one of their books <laughs> because what better mentor could you have than the one that, you know, you could pick up and read on your time at any time and then reread. So to me, I think that becoming um, free, whether it's financially free or whether it's just buying your time back in a way that you you can use your gifts. I think that's more uh, a, a product of how you're spending time, who you're spending it with, who's influencing you and getting clear on what you want so that you can actually move in that direction. So, you know, after a long answer to sum it up, I think anyone can do it as long as they're willing to be intentional. So when you say read a lot, what would you say, like how many books do you read a year? And then what would be the number one book that you would say has been significant in your life? Oh, that's a, that's a great question on, on significance. Cause I feel like at different stages of my life, different, you know, for books sure, for sure. Add significance. But I mean, in general, I read about a hundred books a year. Um, last year I read, uh, my record 172 books and that was more, wow. just, uh, that, that, that was like an absolute, like my goal was to have my biggest reading year. So that's not normal. Um, you know, on an off year, it's, uh, you know, probably more towards the 50 mark. And, uh, this year, since I spent so much time writing my book, my number is a little lower. I'm only at 34 right now. For, for 2020, read 34? Yeah. yeah. So last year, 170 books. How many of those were listened to versus read? Yeah. To me, there's no difference as long as you can, you know, really capture that content. So it started out a lot more read, physically read than listened to. But the more I started listening, the more I loved it. And I could adjust the speed to, um, you know, what I found is that you can really kind of uh, grow your ability to consume uh, content with faster speeds. You know, at first it sounds really fast, but if you slowly increment uh, up, you know, by 0.25 or 0.5, eventually you get to a point where you can, you, you can really like gather all the information and you can, you can get through it, even though it might, you know, you might not have been able to do that when you started. So it's probably now like 70% audible, 30% book, but certain genres are really important to me to read it physically and to ha like have my highlighter and actually highlight mm -hmm. stuff that I'm going to go back to later. You know, financial books, oftentimes I, I really like to 
um, come back later to it. But if it's a story, you know, I, I love reading stories of entrepreneurs and how they how they made it big. Um, and so those are a lot easier for me to listen to. And I can do that while I'm at the gym or I could do that while I'm driving and, and I can kind of, you know, kill two birds with one stone. Uh, but to answer your the, the second part of that question, you know, from an investment standpoint, the book that was probably the most impactful uh, was Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow Quadrant, which is the book right after Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That to okay. me was absolutely mind blowing in the different categories or quadrants of uh, of people if they are self employed if they're you know an employee or self employed or a business owner or an investor, and that's really where I got the idea for me of like, I want to be an investor, you know, at first I wanted to be a business owner and that book kind of opened my eyes to the fact that maybe I should be a business owner for a period of time and learn to become an investor. Um, but if you're looking at overall relationships and people, Dale Carnegie's how to win friends and influence people may have had the greatest impact. And, and maybe that's the most impactful book that led to all the relationships I've been able to develop with people that have helped me in the investment world. So, it, you know, it's hard to say which one and in dis- different seasons in life, there have been different books, but those two have been uh, constant for me and I've revisited them many times. Man, it's so good. And I think just for uh, for a dad who's listening to go, hey, you maybe aren't going to write a book about investing. You know, maybe you're not going to do this, that, or the other. And you think that reading then doesn't apply to you. That is not the case. Like if we look at just the the, the leaders around the world who are making impact, they're readers and they're reading books. And that is, and if you could read 170 in a year, I think we could read, you know, a couple in a year. And I mean, even that is going to make a drastic difference because I know dudes who don't read at all, right? They don't read any books ever. Um, okay. So we could wrap forever. So I'm going to ask you a few more questions um, about fatherhood. And then I want to get into your book and, and a couple things. So <clears throat> as you became a father, what was the best resource to you? So you have an eight-year-old now, you've kind of gone through a couple of stages. What's been the best resource for you? Well, I think right out of the gates, the best resource was probably just my trusted friends who have been there before or people mm. that I looked up to. These, you know, In many cases, they're my mentors in from a business standpoint, but they're also mentors from a parenting standpoint because they, you know, have have great relationships with their kids. And and even to me, I actually believe that the strength of a parent actually starts with the their relationship with their spouse, right? And and because the kids are going to pay so much attention to that relationship that if that's not strong and if that's not first and foremost the most important thing, I think that's actually a disservice to the kids. You know, the kids really need to see that, need to see that, you know, dad loves mom and is, you know, has a great relationship. And even if there's, uh, there's tension or issues or whatever, you know, that should not be aired out in front of the kids. It it should be always kind and loving and respectful. Um, and then I also think another great resource, I mean, the greatest resource to me today is front row dads, you know, my, and that's where we originally met. I mean, one of my best friends in the whole wide world, uh, John Roman started that group. And I've been a member ever since it started. I've attended, uh, each of the, the events. Um, and, and I just, I am thrilled not only with what he produces in terms of content, but the amazing men that he brings in. Uh, I mean, everyone in that group is a quality, quality guy. 
Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I was so impressed. Such a such a rad group. So when you say that it is very important for you to love your kid's mom and that that builds a lot of stability and 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 really trust for your child, why is that a strong conviction for you? Where did that come from? Well, so I know that they're going to pay attention to what you do more than what you say. So you can tell them to respect people all day long, but if they don't mm. see you actually doing it, then they see you as a hypocrite and they don't, that doesn't register the same way. So they're going to remember your actions. They're going to remember how you treated mom. They're going to remember the kind things. Um, I mean, I see it today. Like I see it with my daughter, right? Like, I mean, literally just this week, I could give you several instances where like, I know she was paying attention because she saw, you know, the, the hug that I gave my wife when she was having a, a rough day or, you know, the way that I'm treating her versus like, uh, you know, I just think that you got to be careful. Like w- anytime that there's a riff that shouldn't, that shouldn't be addressed in front of the kids, that should be, you know, kind of a one-on-one thing. And in front of them, it should just be love and respect. And um, I believe your kids will learn a tremendous amount about what that, about respecting others and about, you know, what respect for, um, you know, a spouse looks like, what respect for a woman looks like. Yeah, huge, huge. Oh, so good. So that leads me to my next question. When I, what do you believe the role of the father is? Well, the role of the father to me is they're the spiritual leader of the family. And so as a spiritual leader, you know, I, I think that you really steer the ship. So for me, it starts first with my faith and that I'm being uh, a good steward with my time and my talents and my resources and that I'm investing in my family first and that I'm carving out that that family time, that I'm giving quality time to my wife as she needs it to make sure that she's filled up, that I'm giving quality time to my daughter uh, so that she's filled that she is filled up and that I'm giving quality time to the whole family unit together, doing fun things, having fun experiences. Um, you know, and, and for us, we we want to we want to do that in a biblical way, also, mm-hmm. right? So, so to me, I, I really want to make sure that that you know, church and our church community is is really important, and that I'm leading in that. I, I want my daughter to know that um, this isn't something that I'm just going to out of routine. That this is something that I believe in and I'm passionate about, and that I'm intentionally wanting to live a life that um, displays love and grace, you know, love for people, regardless of who they are, where they came from, what the color of their skin is, what their nationality is, and grace for people that when they mess up, which we're all going to do, and I'm guilty of every, every day, multiple times a day, that I can, you know, easily forgive people and move on, not hold a grudge and just say, hey, (laughs) they're due, they're due at least that, you know, right. Did you see that growing up in your own home? Yeah, you know, I, I feel very privileged. I, I had, um, you know, from the standpoint of, of modeling, my parents were really good at this uh, as a general rule. You know, my parents, um, they, they brought us up in the church and they were really just great leaders. Um, they're really, they treated each other well. And, you know, overall, I mean, I just feel very blessed. Not only did I have a great relationship with my parents and still do, but uh, I feel like they guided me well 
and that my foundation was strong because of what they felt was most important to them and instilling that in me. Yeah, I think it's so huge, right? Because uh, it's, it's, I want to say it's easier for you in a sense to have that understanding that it's possible, right? Your parents showed you it's possible. Now you are coming into your marriage with this idea, like this is going to continue. Like I'm going to make this work. You're doing things to, to show your daughter so that it's like getting passed down. And I think sometimes we forget that our actions, what we do aren't just impacting this current family. It's, it's generationally like the decisions you and I make as fathers impacts our great, 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 great grandkids, you know? And, and for whatever reason, we don't, uh, like we don't really take that much respect for like generation stuff anymore. I don't, you know, it seems like it's kind of getting lost in our current state. So I think as, as fathers, if we could just have that same belief that you have, I mean, we could impact our family line for years and years and years. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, you know, I I almost feel like sometimes it's like, oh, well, they didn't know what they were talking about. I mean, this is the way it is today. And sometimes you think that when you're young and then you get some more years under you and you're like, ooh, there was actually a lot of wisdom there. I wish I would have recognized that for what it was. I I didn't. I'm guilty. Um, But, you know, it's funny, like there are so many things about my parents I didn't respect at the time and the way that they parented me. And then you have a child and you're like, oh, Okay, I get it. They they were onto something. They had, you know, I not only were their intentions good, actually they did a really good job. Uh, you know, I was just blinded to my own selfishness. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh man. Okay, so this is fatherhood field notes, and we're doing it right. I mean, we're just jumping into you opening up your life, sharing about yourself, so I can grow and everybody listening can grow. Now, the mantra behind all of this is rebel and create, and the idea is. You know, you and I are men, we're warriors, we're fighters, we want to rebel, we want to fight, but not just for the sake of tearing something down and being destructive. So what's something in your life that you're rebelling against? And then what do you hope to create out of that? And it could be something as small, you know, something that might seem small or something like on a global scale that you're trying to rebel against. So when I say those words, what resonates with you? What are you rebelling against and what are you working to create? Man, there's so many different directions I could take on this, Ned. Yeah. I mean, uh, th- this is one where it's like you could go, uh, you know, surface level, you could go deep, you could go really deep, um, especially with the times that we have, you know. And so, uh, you know, for me, it's if people are feeling, uh, you know, oppressed in any way, like that's something to rebel against, like people's rights and people's freedoms. And, um, that is really important to me. And, and, you know, we can talk more about that, you know, on, on a more like familial level, like the, the instant impact, you know, I think technology, you know, I mm. think technology is great for, for when it can be used in a great way, but I think that it can be very dangerous as well, especially if you don't recognize, um, how addicting it can be and all the different things that can be done from a, you know, breach of privacy standpoint and, and the doors that that opens with kids. So, you know, one of the things I want to fight really strongly against is just technology invading the family and interrupting quality family time, you know? So, and by the way, I'm guilty of this where, you know, I've had my phone, but I'm in a conversation with my daughter, but she notices that I'm not fully present. And then, you know, I'm looking at my phone and, you know, it's the worst when it's like, oh, dad, can you get off your phone? 
you know, it's like that, that is just to me the absolute worst. And so yeah. I, I want to fight so hard against that. And the, the temptation is there. Like if you hear it, if you see it. So I just, you know, I like leaving it in my office and, and I'm still getting better. I mean, this again is going to be on my, uh, uh, list of, of, um, I don't even want to call them goals or dreams for 2021 because these are, this is like a commitment yeah. uh, of, you know, when I'm done, it stays in my office and that's it, you know, plain and simple. And then also not, uh, using technology as like, you know, the, the escape where what you do as a family is like, you know, watch a movie every night together or watch a show. And, and I don't mean to, um, you know, tear down anyone that may do that, but I don't believe that there's a lot of quality bonding that happens with that. Now, don't get me wrong. We do a do a, a movie night every week and that's fun. And we, there's a big buildup and we're excited and that's one night a week. And then the rest of the time we, we spend real quality time. So that, I mean, so really it's at, at the, at the micro level, it's fighting against that. And then at the macro level, it's fighting against injustice. Um, you know, especially as we're called to, you know, love and serve people. Yeah. So what would you say as a very practical, um, for the Donald household to do in an evening, right? You worked, maybe your spouse had stuff going on the day, kids doing school stuff, and then it's evening time and everybody might come home, you know, a little bit dipped on the energy. What would be something that you do intentionally that isn't watching a show? Well, first and foremost, I think it is a disservice to your family to show up with dipped energy. You know, yeah. so I think that the idea needs to be, hey, I'm I'm showing up. Like if you leave, you know, I stay at home, but you know, at one point in my life I left and I came home and like you gotta gear up. It's like I can't give the leftovers to my family. I gotta show mm-hmm. up with energy and passion and love and and I've got to be the rock for them because maybe they had a bad day and I need to be strong for them. So I think first and foremost, it's showing up the right way it's good. and recognizing like you've got to have energy for that. And, and if you don't, you probably need to rearrange your schedule so that you do. Uh, if that's working less, if that's going to the gym right before you come home, whatever it is, doing something less stressful, whatever it is, it's not bringing work into the home. It's when work's done that you you hang out. So we generally will do our dinners this sounds probably crazy to, um, you know, some people, I guess, but we're, we're on the early side on dinner. I mean, we're like five to five thirty dinner family. So nice. I mean, I mean, five fifteen. So whenever it, that is, it is time to eat. Let's call it five fifteen or five thirty. Uh, work's done, and I'm hanging with the family, and I'm present, and and that's important. And so we'll get done eating, and and part of the reason that dinner's so early is so that we have hangout time. So we number one can. Uh, join up as a family and do family time together for meals, break bread every night. Um, and then, and then when we're done with that, we've got tons of time. And so we're a family of games. We love playing games. We play card games. I don't know if you've ever played Monopoly deal. That's like uh, not deal. No. Oh, it's an instant classic. It's like taking the three hour long Monopoly board game, but breaking it down into 15 minute games with cards. It's awesome. Uh, Check it out. Yeah, so we play we play like all kinds of cards, like gin and rummy, and uh, I mean, you name it. Uh, we're into it, and we play board games, and we do dance parties, and uh, I, I mean, we'll we'll do we'll go bike riding, we'll go outside and play kickball. One of our favorite things, we'll actually do a three person game of kickball nice. in our backyard. 
so, you know, we, we love being active. We think it's important that there's, you know, physical aspect, but then we also think it's important to have like a good mental stimulating aspect of what we do uh, because that really strengthens that bond. And, um, you know, from a psychological standpoint, if you're strengthening the mental side of things, you're strengthening the physical side of things. I mean, these are th- these kind of like bond and, and create good positive memories. You feel good after you've worked out or, or, or done that. And so you attribute those things to the family members that you've done it with, mm. Mm. Uh, even if it's subconscious. Yeah. Man, that's good. A lot of good ideas, a lot of good nuggets for dudes to be doing with their families and all possible stuff. You know, like as people are hearing you in the beginning, maybe they're like, oh, this guy's an investor, this, that. Everybody could play cards with their kids or go play kickball or go ride bikes. This isn't some elite class of <laughs> only a few people can do it. So I love those those nuggets, man. Those are huge. All right. So I know there's so much that you could teach us. Uh and we could probably do four or five podcasts, but I want to spend the the next bit of time digging into two things. Um, and that is your book. And then that is this paper packet that you sent to me that uh, <laughs> I'll talk about it in a minute. So let's take the first and let's just talk about your book because I mean, even from the, the, the title, like right off the bat, you know, the title is The Lifestyle Investor. You know, maybe give us a little bit of a synopsis of what that means and then what the book is doing. And and I think this is critical for dads because we want to be those leaders who are set up to have time, right? And like you've said multiple times on this conversation is like, buy back your time. Don't trade your time for money. So talk to me a little bit about the purpose of the book, uh, about what it is. And then, I mean, it's coming out in just a couple of weeks, right? That's right. Yeah, this thing is, uh, I mean, technically, <clears throat> it, it's out now, but it doesn't officially launch uh, until uh, the 12th. So yep, so I January. bought my copy on Amazon today. And so by the time this airs beginning in January, uh, it'll be available and probably shipping. And it looks great, man. I love it. I love the cover. I think it looks awesome. Um, but right off the bat, what does lifestyle investor even mean? Sure. Well, so a lifestyle investor, so I'm going to break this down into a couple uh, different uh, scenarios here. So the lifestyle investor is, is my way of describing for me what investing is about. And, and it's about investing in a way that enhances my lifestyle to live the life that I truly d- dream of living. And the subtitle of the book is the 10 commandments of cash flow investing for passive income and financial freedom. And so my goal is to help people be able to learn how to do that so that they can truly buy their time back. I feel like most people are a slave to the job that they have, or maybe they decided to build their own business to escape this job so they don't have to work for anyone and so they can have autonomy in their life. But then as they scale their business, they actually end up working often more than they were as an employee. And they become a slave to that job or a slave to the income that they make or a slave to the lifestyle and what that produces. And so, uh, or a slave just to security, right? Mm. So yeah, yeah, these are things you got to fight against because the, the thrill of life and the excitement in life is not in security. You know, it's in variety, it's in new, it's in experiences, it's in relationships, right? Uh, And so I think anything that we can do to support those things is massive. And so, 
you know, th- this is a book for really anyone. You could be an employee, you can be self-employed, you can be a business owner, or you could already be an investor, a novice investor or an experienced investor. And I think there are great nuggets for any group, any class, uh, any category of person. Uh, and, and my goal is to really just share kind of my mindset. So I basically cover my my 10 commandments, which are my 10 criteria to investing. And then my four philosophies, which uh, revolve around mindset, structuring the deal, how to filter the deals, and then negotiating deals. And so that's really it. Each, each criteria has an example of a real-life investment that I did, breaking down why I decided to do it, and, um, and then you know, kind of going through each of those core philosophies so people understand the way that I kind of analyze things. So say somebody's a novice to this, they get your book, they read your book, what are they going to, what's going to happen at the end of it, right? Say I got 10 grand, am I going to have the opportunity to like know what I want to go do with that 10 grand? So what you're going to have are options, you're going to have options of what you can do. So it's not going to, so what I want to do is I want to help people realize that there's a way to invest that's different than what most people think. Most people think, you put money in the stock market, you put it in a qualified plan like an IRA, the government's going to take care of you, you got social security, hopefully the stock market goes up and you make a bunch of money and you retire and all is good. But the reality is, is that's not necessarily going to happen. It's actually likely that it doesn't happen that way. There's a lot of conditional uh, statements or aspects of things that need to go well. There's a lot of like, hopefully it works out, <laughs> you right, know, right, hopefully right. the stock market's on a bull run when I retire versus, you know, in a bear market where I lose half my value can never recover. Um, you know, the, the way that our financial institutions want us to invest is so that they can get the money to invest it in other things so they can make money. That doesn't mean it's best for you. It means it's best for them. And on top of that, a lot of the people that are, are you know, you're investing with charge really high fees and you may not know it. Maybe you do, but I don't like the misalignment that even if you don't make money, they make money. Um, that right, right. That doesn't jive. And the fees are so high. People don't even know that 401ks are like the highest fees of any product out there. And that's what most people's products are. You know, it's a it's it's the replacement of a failed pension. The pension didn't work out, so okay, let's replace it with this idea called a four hundred one k, and let's hope that this works. But the fees are you know three to four percent typically on those, which is massive. Uh, and, and then you're restricted in what you can do with that money. And then anything that actually grows tax free, you're restricted on how much you can put in. So you know, there's there's just so much in the world of conventional investing. In you know stock market. By the way, I'm a believer in the stock market, not from the standpoint of being emotional and trying to day trade and trying to you know pick stuff right. We already know that that doesn't work, right? You know. And by the way, just just to also put this on the table, um, the newest stats of the 2019 um, S and P 500 index versus active managers, active fund managers. Uh, did you know that 95 percent of the people actively managing your money did not beat the S&P 500 index. So in other words, 5% did beat them. So the odds are really good. You don't have someone that beat the index. <laughs> right, right. And they're more expensive, considerably more, because just investing in an index is the cheapest way to get stock market exposure. And then on top of that, if you lost, which a lot of people did, that you still paid 
advisors and teams managing, actively managing the funds. And for a lot of people, they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, this year the stock market went down, you know, 20, 25, 30 percent in March, April, but it came back. So, you know, it, it evened out. But what most people don't realize is that if you go down 30 percent and back up 30 percent, it's not a net zero. That's your average is zero. But your actual return, you lost money. Most people don't realize that and they don't do the math. And so I just want to help people understand that there's there are other ways. So, you know, I have exposure in the stock market um, in, in, period t- in periods of time in my life. And, and, you know, I started doing a lot there, but it's not all of my, it's not even close to the majority of my assets. You know, it's a small minority and it's for the long haul where I don't touch it. And it's with money that comes from cash flow. So to me, I want to have all my cash flow first. I want to teach people to buy assets that produce income. Those assets will typically appreciate as well. As the dollar keeps being printed, it devalues the dollar, Yeah, right? But if you own assets, your assets are going to appreciate at the same degree with which the monetary supply uh, increases. And so it's like a hedge against the devaluation of the dollar. And then if you've got income producing assets, you got cash flow coming, which is going to keep up with inflation as well. And to me, once you have your expenses, your your lifetime or, or your annual expenses, your bare minimum expenses, and eventually your lifestyle expenses covered, then it makes sense to maybe diversify into some stock market, maybe some equity investing. But it's funny to me that most people, they, they, they've got almost all their net worth in the stock market uh, in qualified plans that are pretty illiquid unless you self-direct them. And then there's still a lot of hardcore rules around that. And then if they do invest in, in private equity, they're investing in, you know, basically like seed round angel investing, which is a total, like, it's a gamble. Like the odds are not good. So I just think most people's whole philosophy on investing is off. And it's also, it's, it's basically conditioned by the same institutions that want your money. Mm. Man, Justin, what I'm most excited about for your book is uh, the way that you communicate is really understandable, right? The way that you're communicating even right now, maybe some really complex things is just, uh, just we're just having a conversation. And so I'm excited because I'm sure your book is is in a sense like really understandable for, like you said, anybody who wants to get into it and start to have a better understanding of how to take care of their family, how to build their legacy well. Um, and so with that, I know you mentioned kind of off air, but what's happening with the proceeds of the book? Yeah. So all the proceeds for the lifestyle investor for, you know, each of them for the audio book, for, uh, you know, the ebook, the paperback, the hardcover, all that, um, are all going to charity. So we are talking about buying, you know, financial freedom and all of us have our, our basic freedoms, which is great. Some of us may not recognize how wonderful that truly is. Go to a third world country and you'll see um, some of the differences there. Mm. But there are people in this world that don't even have basic human rights. And, and that human life freedom, I think, needs to be restored. And so the proceeds of the book are going to be funding um, uh, charities like Love Justice and Compassion International, groups that uh, really focus on 
um, restoring these freedoms and, and saving people from human trafficking. And so uh, I'm excited for the impact that this can have on a financial level, because I do think I take a lot of concept, to- you know, a, a lot of big, complex topics and, and break them down into more bite-sizable pieces that people can understand. And so I think there'll be value and impact on the education from the book and from the Lifestyle Investor podcast. But the to have the proceeds be able to do something good in the world to actually empower humans and and to buy their true freedom, I think is very powerful. And I'm I'm excited about it and I'm passionate about it. Man, I love I love hearing it. I mean, you know, because I think sometimes people go, Oh, they're writing a book or they're doing this or that, you know, just to continue to to fill their own pockets. And it's just not the case. Like there are good people out there. There are people who are just trying to help humanity, right? There are pe- Justin is an example of somebody who figured something out, who's doing it well for his wife and daughter and wants to sh- actually share it with you, right? And I don't know why we have become so skeptical about the idea that there are people who are doing things genuinely because they want to help impact the world in a positive way. Well, I appreciate the kind words. I, I actually had a friend today say, why on earth are you giving away your secrets? <laughs> and, uh, and it's because these need to be used by everyone. I, I want to expose everyone that will listen to the fact that there are other ways to do it and ways that can benefit them and their family. And then if we can do other good work with it, then that's great too. You know, for me, I want to earn my income uh, and, and you know, put my money where my mouth is. So I, I should be able to make a living based on investing because that's what I do. And that's my expertise. You know, I don't, I don't need other platforms to be able to do it. Um, and I, more than anything, I just, my passion is people and I want to teach and educate people on how they can make that leap to financial freedom. That to me is such an exciting thing to celebrate. You know, it's, it's funny because I worked really hard to gain financial freedom and it was really cool and it was a liberating feeling. And I hope everyone can experience it at some point in their life. But once you do it, it's done. So, Mm. so like, what's next? It it can't just be that your life can't just be about that. It's got to be bigger than that. And so when I get to continuously watch people say, Hey, I've officially, you know, I can leave my job or I, I just sold my business. I've got enough, uh, cash now from cash flow investing. You know, I'm a lifestyle investor that fires me up and, and I get to celebrate that, uh, with frequency, right? So that's the one that doesn't end because there are so many people that are achieving it. And, and that's more rewarding anyway. Okay. So a second ago, you said a friend said, why are you sharing your secrets? Right. And at the beginning of this podcast, before I hit record, I said, Hey, I really want to talk about this, you know, document you sent me, which is your annual planning with, with your spouse. And I said, Hey, I want to talk about this. And do you care if I put this up on, on the website? If anybody's serious and wants to go grab a copy, do you care? And you're like, no, I don't, I don't care. I, I care about them. I care about an abundant mindset. So yes, give it away, right? And that's such an amazing mindset to live in because really you're setting it up for other men to raise good children so that hopefully the future for our great, great, great grandchildren is great, right? Because you have an abundant mindset. And so I want to, I mean, looking at this document, which I'm holding in my hand, I mean, you've definitely spent years developing this, adding yeah. questions, removing questions 
right? And and so this isn't just let me whip something up that's like a click funnel to get you to my website to buy a book. Like this is heart and soul. This is something that's been developed that you've used to have a successful marriage because you're trying to model that for your daughter, right? That's correct. Okay, so let's I'm going to I'm going to jump into this thing and ask you some questions about it. So when I met Justin, somebody had said that he does a great annual planning with his spouse. So I'm just going to take it. So I went over and said, Hey, would you send it to me? He emailed it to me. And when I printed it out and I was sitting in our bedroom with my wife talking about it, I was like, Hey, I, I want to do this with you. Um, we've done a couple things. I want to say similar, but not as in depth. Um, and I was like, okay, I, I printed a copy so you could reflect on it. And we spent an hour just kind of going through the question so we would know what our day was going to be like talking about this. So it's no joke. Um, so I, w- I want to dig into it with you. Um, but here's the deal that I just want to tell to everybody. I was a youth pastor. I've worked for companies and you always see the pastor and you always see the CEO go away for a couple days a year, a week, a year, do retreats and go do reflection. Like, where have we been? Where's the company going? Where's the church been? Where's the church going? Now that pastor and that CEO will probably not be the pastor and CEO of that church for their or business for the rest of their lives, right? It's probably just a season, but you as a dad and hopefully as a husband will only have that one spouse and that, well, especially if we're talking fatherhood, those kids are the only kids on the entire planet who will ever call you dad. So for you to go take some time aside to reflect on 2020 and plan for 2021 is idiotic not to do it. It's just, it just is like, if you want to be an 85 year old man and look in the mirror and feel really good about what you see, this is a simple tool. It doesn't matter how much you make or what you do. You can do this. So any thoughts on my, um, my little soapbox rant before we jump into some of these questions? Well, it was awesome. <laughs> and it's really eloquent as well. I, I just love it. And I, I couldn't agree with you anymore. I mean, this is a small, uh, commitment for such a large impact. And it's an impact that it can have on you personally, professionally, your marriage, your relationship with your kids, and then, you know, your finances, your health. I mean, my goal was to really capture everything. You know, it's, it's like when I think of wealth, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, you know, they're really wealthy. They have a lot of money. No, wealth to me is a bunch of categories put together. Like you're not wealthy if you have a lot of money, but you don't have good health. Right. right? Like I would take good health over a lot of money any day of the week, literally any day of the week. My health's way more important than the money that I make. I need to have enough to get by, but you know, I, I would rather skimp and get by and have amazing health than to have all the money in the world and have really poor health. So to me, I wanted to take, you know, every facet of that, like purpose and passion and uh, spirituality and, and emotional um, you know, EQ and, and intelligence and, and just all these things and, and kind of combine them. And so this is the document that I came up with in a way that, you know, it's, it's big and it's full, but it's still, it's bite sizable enough to do with your spouse. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions before we get into it. How many years have you done this? So this is tw- either 12 or 13 years. My my wife and I started doing this together while we were dating. Huge. Uh, and at first she thought it was really weird. And she was like, are you serious? Like, you actually want to plan this stuff out? What are you? 
like, who are you? <laughs> and I had to, so is she a planner like you? I mean, usually it seems like God puts opposites together in some instances. So like when I first bring this to my wife, she's like, Oh my gosh, you're going to have to give me a week to kind of look at this and then we can go spend some time on it. Yeah. So my wife is, uh, so in some aspects, yes. And some no, but I would say like, this is out of her comfort zone and out of routine. So she's, she's very much a woman of routine. Um, and, and I believe she does a great job of planning things today. And I think that there are certain things like she's a teacher by trade. So there are certain things that she could actually, um, th- that she had to, and, and became good at planning, but overall to actually be intentional with planning your life, that was a foreign subject. Her parents never talked about that or did that. Uh, and so I had to, I had to kind of explain the importance of that and kind of do a, a value, uh, you know, prop type of, of conversation or conversion, if, if you will, with her on this. Yeah. And I think that's important for dudes who know is like, yeah, your spouse is probably, especially say you're married 10 years, you never done something like this. They might be like, what the heck's going on? You know, I mean, they'll probably be stoked because you're trying to be intentional with your lives, I would think in most scenarios. So you've been doing it for 12 or 13 years. So it's definitely shifted, right? I mean, I'm sure all the books, all the mentors, everything has continued to shape this piece right here. So before I kind of jump into some of the format and some questions about it, is there anything else you'd like to say about it? The other thing I'd say is um, when you get it, it's going to look overwhelming, but don't feel like you have to do it all. Just pick Mm. and choose. You know, if if you feel like you're real strong in one area, maybe you don't do anything there. Or if you just feel like there's one area where you really need to get a better handle, you know, maybe you just start there. Uh, and, and I think you do what is agreeable with your spouse. So if your if if your spouse is like, no way, this is crazy. Well, why don't you just figure out part of it that is okay? You know, I, I think that your spouse pick five be, questions. Yeah, yeah, pick five to ten questions out of here, and that is going to. Ch- I mean, and that's probably a little bit of how it started thirteen years ago, right? So anybody jumping into something that has been in development for thirteen years, you're like, oh my gosh, but it's a craft that you have continued to develop. So I think that's really key. Pick, pick a few. You don't do it all. Yep. And, and by the way, if you can do it all and you want to do it all, you know, I commend you on that. I think that's great. Um, I mean, even my wife and I got to a point, I think last year, it was either last year or two years ago, my wife was like, yeah, I don't know if we need to do all this, you know, and this is after we've been doing it a while. So it's kind of you, funny. Yeah. Do you find though that because of the conversations you're you're consistently having, like, I mean, a year is still consistent that you almost find yourself in a groove, like you kind of know where you're headed and, and you're a little bit more in sync than you probably were eight years ago. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so much that's foundational where we're on the same path now that we don't even have to discuss it. We, I mean, we just know that this is what we're doing. And, you know, what's cool, like, especially in a day like today where everything's on the table, such as children's education. You know, that's one big section in there. It's like, hey, you maybe before we're going to be called crazy for wanting to do something different with your child's education or children's education. But today you're not, you know, so that's a cool thing to discuss. And I can guarantee your spouse is going to enjoy talking about that. Uh, No doubt. And I mean, uh, it's kind of crazy. I was just explaining this to my kids the other day is um, we were talking about when they were in public school a couple years ago. And how few dads we saw 
at the school. And I'm not, I don't want to knock one or the other. I just, I want to say, dads, you have a seat at the table. Now we have our kids at Acton and it, it's this, I mean, it seems like the same amount of dads highly engaged in the conversations about the kids schooling, you know? So I want to encourage dads. Like if you've just always grown up in this mindset that mom always takes care of that, like, dude, scratch that off of your mind. Like, that's not the case. You have a say in your kid's education. I don't mean this like dictator come in and control everything, but have a conversation with your spouse. Engage and take a look at what your kid's doing. And do you have an opinion? If you do, give one, right? Yeah. And and we go to Acton here uh, in Austin at the main campus. And I, I mean, it, it's a majority of dads dropping off and picking up. I mean, there are more dads than moms doing it. So I just love that. And I've gotten to know a bunch of the dads because of that. And I'm good friends with a lot of them because of that. Yeah, man. Oh, that's so good. Um, Okay. So yes, I think that the idea here is you're going to set aside some time to reflect on your life with your spouse and, and do some planning with your, with your spouse. So, okay, I'm going to dig into this thing and ask you some questions. So what I love is right off the bat, I mean, it's, we're dropping our kids off at school. We have a babysitter set up. You know, uh, there's a babysitter for after. We don't have cell phone cell phones. I I've planned where lunch is. I planned where dinner is to celebrate. I mean, it's a day, and you have it outlined, so the expectation is very understood. Yeah, and and really, what I have found is even if it feels overwhelming to my spouse, um, she still loves the fact that I'm being intentional, like that I'm giving good quality time. And and for those of you men that haven't figured this out, there's a probably a 90 to 99% chance that your spouse, uh, her, one of her love languages is quality time. Um, so, you know, any quality time that is uninterrupted by technology is a huge win. I mean, I've learned this with my wife. A lot of my friends have experienced the same thing. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a win right off the bat. Like you just took her out to lunch and dinner and had some serious conversation without uh, any uh, distractions. So I love it starts off with love and appreciation list. Like what do we love and appreciate about each other? Because you're setting this foundation, right? For we are going to ask some hard questions. So let's start it off with really understanding that, man, we, we totally care about each other. Yeah. And that really just gets it going the right way. You know, when you're, when you're building up your spouse and, and, and she builds you up or, or you, you know, I mean, really the, the whole idea is, and, and I'm not trying to do this so that she builds me up. I think motive matters as well. Right. So I, I really just want to fill her, um, totally. fill her up, you know, with, with, with love and, and I want her to feel good. I want her to enter this. So it's like, I want her to enter with great emotions and feeling in a good place and feeling strong and secure and excited. Yeah, that's so good. Now, I think that as you're thinking about this, uh, there's a lot of questions like, you know, what are the proudest accomplishments of last year? So there's a lot of wonderful questions, but I highlighted a few that I thought like, damn, that's good. Like really good. <laughs> so uh, there's a section kind of after you do this, like, you know, I don't want to say general, none of it's general, but kind of questions we would probably come up with ourselves if we really stop for a day and think about it. But then we come into this forgiveness section. Did anything happen during the past year that still needs to be forgiven? Like that's huge to go. 
because uh, you know, like if you fight with your spouse, sometimes you don't want to bring it up later when you're stoked. Uh, but there's an opportunity to bring this up and say, ah, uh, but that's heavy. So talk to me about that. So yeah, and, and this is kind of like you're creating the safe space to talk about it because what other safe space have you created? And now you're talking about Probably it in nothing. a place where emotions aren't high, right? Emotions are back in mm. a normal place. So no one's emotional. And, and, and by the way, on this one, it's kind of like, you know, there, there are a few times where, I'm, where I said to my spouse where it's like, hey, anything's on the table. You know, you're not going to upset me. You're not going to offend me. You're not going to hurt me. Like this is designed for us to be stronger as a team. Uh, and so sometimes it's not like she just came right out with it, you know, but I wanted her to feel empowered to be able to come out with it. So it was almost like she needed that permission. And then I gave her that permission. And then, you know, she shared some stuff and it was like, oh, I didn't even know that that was a thing. I didn't, I didn't know you were holding on to it. I didn't even know that that bothered you. I didn't even know mm. that I did that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's good because you're not heightened in like an emotional state. Like you said, you're not reacting in a negative manner. You're able to hear it and process it. And you knew it was coming, right? It wasn't like you got home from work and she's like, you always, whatever, you know? So you set that up. Well, I love it. Okay. So then I really love what you go into next on it because then next you go into your dream list. So you both have a dream list of a hundred dreams and talk to us about that because that was like, whoa, what's this hundred dream list that you each have? So I did an exercise and this one's props to Matthew Kelly. I don't know if you've ever read any of his books. He's awesome. He wrote a book called The Dream Manager and it had a huge impact yeah. and, and he spoke mm -hmm. at a function that we did and I was just blown away. And, and so I remember in 2006, I made October of 2006, um, I made my first dreams list of 100 dreams. And that was, you know, kind of the assignment. And so since doing that, I have added to my list. I add to my list every single year. I cross things off on my list every single year. And um, I love taking people through it. And so I've done a dreams list workshop with uh, teams that I've run for different businesses, with my family, with my parents, with um, obviously my spouse. And so, uh, you know, we each have our list and then we dial that down into the most important one. So I figure if I can help my wife achieve one dream on her list this year, this is an exciting year for her. So mm. let's pick it out. Let's just pick the dream. And then whenever she, so one, she looks forward to accomplishing it, but we just schedule it right there on the spot. And so there's something to look forward to. And then just the the what happens as that takes place over the course of the year and what it does for just the overall like emotions of you know her personally and our relationship it just does wonders and then i like to check in to make sure that it's happening and and we could do it for more than one but i mean if you can just do one you're going to be probably way ahead of what uh you've been doing or at least for me what i had been doing prior to doing this i think that's so rad because some of our dreams, and I don't want to say it's small, but they're possible. Like I say, I live on the way I live in California. So say my wife's dream is to, to go see the white house, right? It's not like that's not, I mean, maybe during this current time, it'd be hard to do, but that's something that's possible. Like if we pick a date, we plan it, we plan to get cheap flights, 
plan to get a hotel Airbnb. We go there and it was three or four days. But the problem is like, if we don't put it on the calendar, life just happens. And before you know it, you're a hundred years old and you didn't go see the white house because you never picked a weekend. Right. I mean, that's, that's simple. I don't want to say it's simple, but it's possible. And again, it isn't this elite group that it's possible for. Um, Okay. Love it. Love it. Love it. And and real quick, that goes back to my point of the life by default. If you don't schedule it, life will happen to you. You will default into just autopilot. And the goal is to stay out of autopilot. The goal is to stay intentional. So what you schedule happens and what you don't doesn't. Mm. So good. So good. Okay, so I'm going to kind of skip a bunch of questions and then come down to if you could see two things change about me this year, what would they be? <laughs> That's heavy. That one's powerful. And yeah, again, you might have to you know, continue to give permission, but I mean, that has opened up so many doors. It's, it's just so crazy how many times I've been so oblivious like to what it is like I'm doing stuff that I don't even know that I'm doing I'm frustrating my spouse and I don't even know that I'm doing it sometimes I do but in some of these instances <laughs> like I got no clue right it's, it's so nice because it's like I'm my own worst enemy I don't even know it. it's like I don't even know what I don't know yeah yeah which which leads me to this next question is like what do I need to know most about you right now and, and you're asking that question. That's huge because sometimes we just like want the other person to know. We don't want to have to tell them. But if you're giving the permission to say, hey, what is it that I need to know about you right now? Yeah. And that's powerful because there is stuff I can just assure you there's stuff going on that you may not recognize. And, and maybe I should say maybe maybe I'll say it this way. Um, cause I don't know all of your listeners and maybe they're infinitely better at this than I am. I feel like I've gotten really good at this over the years. And so feeling like I'm in tune, it always amazes me how much stuff is going on that I'm actually not aware of. And I'm trying to be intentional. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And the reality is when you're falling asleep at night and you're like, Hey, how are you today? You know, as an example, it's probably not going to come out there right? That thing's probably not going to come out there. So when is it going to come out? It's probably not unless you schedule it to come out. Um, I thought this was a really great question. It, it was, how are you feeling about our home? And is there any improvements you want to do in the next one, three to five years? Because I think there could be a lot of tension, especially for us dudes. It's like, I didn't know the dishwasher sucked. I didn't know right? Until it's like, it's such an issue for her because I should have known that everything's coming out crappy, but I just didn't know. So I think that's such a great question to ask because it's happening before the crap hits the fan. Yeah. And you're getting intentional. You know, there's probably something that would make your spouse's day and you may not be aware of it, or maybe you are aware of it, but you may not recognize the gravity of it. So <clears throat> to just have that one simple fix or, or to work towards and plan something over the course of a year, five years, or maybe it's, you know, it's, hey, I like this home for now, but the dream home I'd like to have or the next home I'd like to have is this. I just think it's good to be in good communication on those things and to be on the same page. And I think that when you can solve for some of these things, you end up being a big hero to her. Mm. Yeah, and again, like it doesn't. It's probably not as big as you think. Like the 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 thing, it's probably not as hard to to accomplish. All right, a couple more, and then and then we'll wrap this up. Um, 
who are the top couples we want to be intentional with spending our time with? Yeah, so that one's really important because, again, life will just happen to you if you're not intentional. So you'll hang with whoever reaches out and asks if you want to hang. Well, what I want to do is I want to say, hey, these are the couples that we both get along well with. You know, so th- there are people that I like hanging out with independently and that my wife likes hanging out with independently. And, and you know, th- there are couples that w- we'll do stuff with, with couples where maybe the four of us, it's not like the, you know, we're, we're totally in sync, but she's so good friends with the, you know, that, that couple, you know, the, the wife. Uh, and so I want to make that a priority. But there are other couples where the four of us are just in sync and it's great. And we have such a good relationship, uh, you know, across or diagonal, however you want to look at it. And so I want to be intentional to get more time with those people and to not just hope that it happens, to actually schedule those dates. So we're intentional about the couples we hang out with. We're intentional about um, the who we spend time with outside of being couples because there are relationships that are important to us that maybe it's not going to work in a couple's format. Um, and then, you know, of course, the family that is important to us that we want to get time with. But yeah, we, we want to do it by design. And, yeah. and that is so important. Mm. Man, I could just talk about so many of these questions, but I'm going to say this last one because I think that whether somebody downloads this uh, or, or asks us for a copy of this or not, <clears throat> this go go think about this is, what about our typical evening routine do you like? Like whoever pauses to ask that question, we just like, I mean, you've been saying it, life just happens unless you plan it. But dude, powerful. Talk to me about that question. Yeah. Uh, so that one to me is... Again, it's like curating a great at home environment and making sure that your spouse is filled up. Because for me, you know, I don't have the same needs or demands uh, that my wife does for quality time. You know, that that's not high. You know, if you are familiar with uh, this, would be another one of the most impactful and influential books I've ever read uh, is the five love languages. Uh, Mm. and, And that book, you know, is transformative from a relationship standpoint, you know, for my spouse and I to understand each other. Um, But for me, quality time isn't necessarily that high on my list, whereas for my wife, it is. So if I'm not intentionally like creating that quality time and space for her and making sure that the evening routine looks like what she would want, where she's going to feel filled up, then I'm putting a lot of energy and effort into something that is that she's not receiving the same way. You know, so for me, um, I'm really big on, on words of affirmation and acts of service. But if I, so, so it, for default for me, it'd be easy for me to say nice things about my wife and it'd be easy for me to do nice right, things right. for my wife, but she won't feel that love the same way that I do. So what's easiest for me actually doesn't really register much for her. And what's hardest for me, which is carving out quality time, totally like, you know, un, undivided attention um, technology free, just literally eyes locked, uh, because watching a movie does not count as quality time. And I can, I can attest to that based on knowing what I know about my wife. Um, and so if I can just be intentional there, it's harder for me to love my wife that way. But now that I know that I need to, I can create an environment where she feels and receives that love. And therefore it's better for our relationship. Oh man, this, it's so good. It's so good. 
I'm really looking forward to Sarah and I are going to be going through this. Um, we each have ours and we're kind of answering some questions on it. And then we're going to carve out a day on the first, <clears throat> we have it, uh, the first week of January. So next week. So I'm excited about it, man. You know, just take it to that next level of, of intentionality with our marriage and our life. So I love the questions and, and thank you. It's like, Man, your 13 years of, of, of working on this is starting me off on a different path. And, and I so appreciate it. And anybody who wants this, email me, ned at rebelandcreate.com. That's how I'm going to do it. You got to care enough. Send me an email. I'll send you a copy of it with a link also to Justin's book. So Justin, I want to say, man, dude, I really value you. I, I thank you so much for your abundant mindset, for your desire to... to to impact people and to share your knowledge and to share all that you have, you know, the ups and the downs, right? I think sometimes we just hear all the positive ups, but, you know, we learn from all the downs too. And so we're gaining all of this from you. And I just know that you are an intentional father, husband, friend. And so keep doing what you're doing. I just pray huge blessing over your book that's coming out right now. And um, if people want to learn more about you, learn more about the book, where would they go? Yeah, thank you for the kind words, Ned. And you know, the the feelings are truly mutual. Uh, I have just the most respect and admiration for you and what you're building as well. So I, I just think that the men and uh, and and beyond, actually, there are probably some women that that you know dig into this as well and say, hey, you know, husband, come listen to this, <laughs> you know. But I, I just yeah. think that you're doing such a service for your community, uh, and I think it's great. Yeah. So people can visit me at justindonald.com. Uh, and you are welcome to come check out, uh, you know, you can, you can look at my podcast, you know, that, that's on iTunes or Spotify or wherever, but I've got a link on my, on my website there. Uh, so you can check it out there, Lifestyle Investor. You can check out the book. If you go to um, uh, Lifestyle or if you go to either or lifestyleinvestor.com or justindonald.com forward slash uh, book then you have access to the book. Uh, for someone that actually wants to get the book in a cheaper way, you know, the, all the proceeds go to charity. So the more that uh, you spend, the more it goes to charity. But I have another option uh, for, that is justindonald.com forward slash free book. And that is basically a free plus shipping option for people uh, with a few other uh, perks in there. Uh, and then there's, you know, uh, an online course, a mastermind, uh, a private coaching. So th there's some, some really fun high level stuff. And then there's some more like entry level stuff, but yeah, there, and there's a ton of free resources as well. Awesome. Awesome. Justin, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you. Happy new year and look forward to seeing all the great stuff that happens with this new, uh, with this new book coming out. Well, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. And, you know, it really is a privilege to be able to, to speak with and, and share my heart with your community. So thanks for having me. What did I tell you? Was that an incredible conversation or what? Go make sure to check out Justin Donald on Instagram, on his website, justindonald.com. You can get the book on his website or you can get it on Amazon. And then if you get it on Amazon, please throw up a review. Go show the love. Us dads have to support each other. Um, if you would like to do the annual plan with your spouse and you'd like this document, just send me an email, ned at rebelandcreate.com and I'll shoot you a copy of it. This is powerful, man. I am so excited to do this with my spouse. The questions are amazing. 
Um, hey, check it out. Every Monday, I put out the Fatherhood Field Notes podcast interviewing great dads like Justin. If you're interested in a shorter podcast, I put one out every Friday. Falls under the same spot, Rebel and Create, but as Craft of Fatherhood. And uh, right now, for the month of January, I am discussing, planning, and what my annual plan looks like and how you can kind of dig deeper into what does it look like for you to kind of pause and reflect on the past and think about the future so this podcast conversation goes right in line with that thank you to all you dads out there listening to rebel and creates fatherhood field notes podcast what you do matters don't be like everybody else be yourself that is who your kids spouse and community needs this is your guide ned shout together let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood Talk to you next time.